This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back on Inside Black and Gold, and this will be our live mailbag segment. And uh, there's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot going on. There's a, a lot going on in there. We'll start. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's so much to talk about in the mailbag. Yes. What, what could is. be on Saints fans' minds right now? <laughs> Pammy Whammy, she got a lot going on. She says, that's right. We don't care about hurting the Falcons' feelings. And I I identify with this. Like, again, that is one of my biggest frustrations about the whole, the whole DA thing and the and the this is not who we are comment specifically. He's like, this is exactly who we are. What are you talking about? This is not who we are. Being petty against the Falcons is like an entire identity. Like. I remember going to that building and remember when they blew up the Georgia Dome and the bus parked in front of the camera and then the Falcons came in and they were doing their they're running into the stadium and on the video board they they had a bus go in front of it right like the Saints trolled them so bad in an us versus them segment that Arthur Blank complained to the NFL <laughs> when you go to if you go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta you know what Visitor. it says on the scoreboard right visitors like this is the deal and again like and 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 what frustrates me is like it's the best example of how sean and da are different because sean understood that sean understood that he could have played the villain in that scenario and everyone would have eaten it up right and and da just won't do that you know and it's it's funny because he kind of comes off as this hard ass but at the end of the day he's not that no, at this point, I almost wish that when when Winston went to him and said, we want to get this touchdown for Jamal, he was like, you know what? You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it just would have bonded. It would have been more of a bonding thing. Exactly. And like, I don't think the Falcons would have complained or at least, you know, Arthur Smith might have complained. Right. But at the end of the day, the 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 actual valid basis for their complaint 
is that you did it out of the victory formation. And the reason you did it out of the victory formation was because DA wouldn't do it. And the players had to do it unilaterally. Like they had to, not unilaterally because it was everybody, but um, that's not what that word means. But like the (laughs) players had to do it independently of the head coach, right? And because of that, that's why it's this whole thing. But all you needed was DA to understand, this is the Falcons. We're not taking a knee at the one. Right. We're going in. We're doing what Sean did to the to the to the Eagles, right? When he went on fourth and seven and and drew through a dime to Alvin Kamara to go up like thirty five instead of 30, 38, right? Like, like that's what I want to see. In the and it's like I and and I wish Da understood that. I really do. I wish he understood that, but he doesn't. And it's not a fireable offense, right? I see people saying, "Yo, oh, fire!" Like, but it is like just a, such a good indicator of why the fan base feels so disconnected from the team, right? Like Sean turned the fan base into a superpower. Dennis Allen does not understand how to tap into that. And at a certain point, winning is enough. Like winning will get people behind you. But, you know, 2021, it was not this this battle the whole way like it was this year. And you finished with the same record. You did basically the same thing. You had a five-game losing streak in that season, right? Like, And you finished with, I think, wins in four of your final five games, got to nine and eight, missed the playoffs. But did it feel like this? Yeah, poor, poor DA. Can't do anything right for this squad. It, it's, poor guy. I don't, and just like I said, that post-game really had my jaw drop just because I couldn't believe what he was saying to us. Just be yes. quiet. Francisco Pomar says, fire Dennis Allen, biggest wussy in the NFL. So embarrassing. He went from a seven-win team to a nine-win team. Sorry, he's not going anywhere. No, and and I mean, like, I think he he earned he earned another season. Like, as as frustrating as that might be for some people, he did. Whatever, right? No, not everybody earned another season. And I want to talk about, like I said, I want to talk about Trevor Penning in this next episode. And I, you know, I talked to James Hurst and 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 Da about it. And you know, uh, one guy who I think. You know, with a lot of people are saying this guy's going to get fired. This good, you're going to move on. In a lot of instances, I'm like, yeah, let's pump the brakes. Like you're going to take your time. You're going to do this. I think Doug Marone is is you know, and and, and I don't know if maybe because I think Mickey is a strong Doug Marone supporter, so maybe that makes things difficult. But not think, when you've seen O line play the last two years. Well, I mean, I don't think the O line. You know, it's funny because the O line I don't think played terribly, and that's why I wonder if maybe Kevin Carberry is a guy you keep around. I just don't think like I don't think you can look at Trevor Penning's development into a player that you are not even willing to put on the field under any circumstances. Like Andres Pete left the game. He left the game. He was hurt. Trevor Penning's active. And instead of putting him in in a game that is meaningless in terms of you have won it already, it's over. Right. You 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 all you like you don't think a couple reps there for for the guy would be why is he active then? Because they just they bumped James Hurst from left guard to left tackle, put in Max Garcia. Like, what will it take to get this guy on the field? They would rather play Tommy Kramer than yeah. Trevor Pennant. And like, if if you're if he is not ready to play, then that is on the coaching, right? And one of the reasons I think the Arthur Smith thing is intriguing in terms of maybe one of the reasons Da wanted to wanted to kind of. Uh, play damage control is, you know, Arthur Smith is a former offensive lineman. Arthur Smith was an offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans. If you are not planning to bring in Arthur Smith as an offensive coordinator, but you do want to consider him for a job, wouldn't the offensive line coach job make sense? Anyway, 
I just think Doug Marone, you know, I, I like Doug. I think Doug has been good with the media. I think he, 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 he's very um, informative. Like he, 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 he's honest. I don't think he's, I don't think it's resonated this year the way you hoped it would, particularly with Trevor M. When you spend a first round pick on a guy, you know, you, you typically wouldn't say that you're going to base your coaching decisions around specific players, but when you spend a first round pick on a guy that you need to, to show something, then yes. Like if I don't see the development with this coaching staff and this approach, then yes, I do make a change. So I think to me, if you're trying to pick the most obvious coaching change that could happen, um, that's the one I point to is offensive. To me, you said it was right there. It's damning. The, the, the game's in hand and you need someone on the field. And, and what what's Tommy Kramer's in the game? What? Tom, Tommy still, Kramer. Still can't get Trevor in? But like you said, he's active though and good enough to do field goal unit, but that's about it. Uh, it's that that one is one that doesn't sit right and just something definitely has to be done there and number one you do have to go to his coach yeah i mean what what do you what do you do like i i don't know how, to me that's damning right like again you're talking about a first round pick this isn't a sixth round pick uh and 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 like you're like clearly there's a disconnect there cuz again you won't even put him in the game when you're down and like it's not like i would understand if he's not the starter but again i've said this He's not good enough to be the backup. What are we Brian, doing? He can't get in any kind of rotation to, to get a couple snaps here and there. It makes no. He's not even the jumbo lineman. Like, right? how is it possible that he can't go in there and run block? Like, and like you put Max Garcia in there and he falls started. Like, it's not like the other guys are just blowing you away. It's clear that they're just but like. And like, why isn't he inactive? It's like they they keep him active in order to avoid having to answer the question of why he's inactive. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Right. Anyway. No, definitely one of the maddening things in the the Saints roster this year. The other one's the usage of Jimmy Graham, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You got one? Pammy Whammy says, so if it was Jimmy, would it have been different? And this is one thing I just wish I could get the answer to in terms of if Jamal had run for a touchdown like week two, and this was not an equation where you're like, we got to get Jamal his touchdown. Um, would they still have gone AWOL and thrown a touch, like tried to find a way to get Jimmy Graham a touchdown? I don't, I don't know how you would because he's not in the victory formation, but like, no, I don't to know. Me it's I, not I, about Jimmy Graham. It was just the, the one not listening to your head coach and then your head coach throwing the team under the bus. That's, that's really what it is. I did, I would have loved to see Jimmy get one last touchdown, get to 70, get a round number. Although maybe he wanted to everybody. Go, maybe he wanted to ride off into the sunset with the 69. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, because I think it's like dunk it. If they, if these, if these, these officials want to be the villains and throw a flag, make them go right <laughs> ahead. That, that, that would have been epic. Oh my god! Against the Falcons, you close it out. Jimmy gets one last touchdown, dunks it in the dome. Good night, everybody. Right, and again, like one of my biggest, like all Da had to do was play ball with the team. All he had to do was say, "Let's have fun." You know, let's go. Uh, and he didn't. And I think that's, you know, to me, that's the biggest. Like, He's not wrong, though, too, for, for following the quote unquote rules of the game right there. Yeah. Like unwritten, the unwritten rules, whatever. Like you can go. Yeah. Like I agree with the with the unwritten rule that you should not run a play out of the victory formation. Because, <laughs> again, like we talked about in the first segment, like you are you are getting the benefit of the doubt from the defense and they're not doing like they could fire off the line. 
But what like they they don't because and that's the deal. Next time they will. Next time they will. And I think that's what <laughs> you're when Ed Daniels is going at Jameis, that's what he's kind of talking about. It's like, what if someone, you know, how about next time when when they fire off the line because they're pissed off that Ooh. you did and and then someone gets hurt, right? And you lose it, someone loses an ACL because anyway. Um, so I, I agree. I understand that. I, I think that's more than fair. So this is one that I think is funny. And I, and I talked to people in the media room about this today because I think it's weird. So Robert Johnny says, wasn't Jamal Williams touchdown about a contract incentive? No, this had nothing to do with contract incentives. I've seen this circulated. No one has a contract <laughs> incentive around one touchdown. Hello, come on. That's not how this works. No, I don't think he had any contract incentives, period. But like a maybe t- two, maybe two. <laughs> no, like they, they had nothing to do with an incentive. This was all about let's get one for Jamal. Like that's it. It like this isn't like in 2020 when Emmanuel Sanders needed eight catches, so you peppered him. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Like they'll do that. Teams will do that. Like that's right. that's not out of the like that's I understand why people might think this. And if there was an incentive tied to it, then it would be like, I get it. Right. Then it would make a little more sense. No, it was just let's get this guy a free touchdown, which just seems so. I don't know. Like I, that's like the, one of the, I definitely, I agree with Bobby in that, in that sense of like, maybe for, if it was for an incentive, I wouldn't be as pissed off, honestly, because it's all guy. All right. They did it for the money, man. Yeah. Well, I, I think teams should like, I think Dalton Schultz finished like one catch shy of his, of his like $250,000 incentive for the Texans. And I think any organization, I think whether the, or, like some organizations would still pay that out. Some wouldn't. And I think, Either way, that says a lot about you because, like, what's the spirit of this, right? Like, what's the idea behind an incentive? You played your ass off and you get a little extra money. And if you're going to be cheap about that one catch, like, like I, I'm interested to see if the Texans do pay that out. Because I think the Saints have done that. I think the Saints paid out an incentive, maybe for Craig Robertson. Um, I, I want to say it was uh, probably 2016 where he, like, finished, like, just shy of one and they paid it out anyway. And for a guy like Craig, who doesn't make Absolutely. crazy money. Like he makes right. crazy money relative to like me, but by NFL standards, you know, he's like, you know, destitute. And so like that, those incentives mean, mean a lot. You know, Craig like, Robinson, by the way, one of my all time favorite interviews in the saints locker room. He was great. Oh, he's, he's, he's great. I love, I love Craig. Justin Pasquale says, I know, and I'm glad it says the potential to be one of the best rivalry games in the entire NFL. These two teams just hate each other and makes it all the better. You know, I, I I that's why I, I wish DA would lean into the the rivalry. Uh, that's that's one thing. Embrace the dark side, Dennis. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Be the villain. I you can root for a villain. Sean has always been the villain. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, it was PBM, like well, he's our villain. PBM <laughs> eight two six four. We actually he's, we met at the dome. He came up and said hi. Uh, real life Derek Carstan, not faking it. Okay. He says no other QB but Winston would have done that, and like I agree with this. And I, not, I don't, not in the sense a big that middle finger from Winston. Not in the sense that no QB in the league would have done that, but no other QB on the Saints would have done that. Like if this was Jake Hayner, you know, a sec, a rookie or a second year player, like yeah, yeah. who is just trying to like make his way in the NFL, you're not no going to do that, way, right? Right. Derek Carr is not going to. He's the starting quarterback. He's going to be like, haha, guys. Yeah, I understand it, but they want us to do this, so we're going to do this. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe Derek Carr's a wet blanket. Sure. Like, that's kind of. I almost Derek feel like it's Winston's like finger going out the door saying, listen, these guys will listen to me even more than you kind of thing. You know, I, d- I don't think it's necessarily that. 
But I do think it is kind of a, like he was in a position where he disregarded any possible repercussions because he's like, what do I have to, what are you going to do to me? Right. Like he's Ooh, made plenty of money. Not gonna bring me back next year, and I won't sit on the bench and get a chance when the quarterback shoulders hurt. Okay, no problem. Right. Like he clearly has no future here in terms of becoming a starting quarterback at all. Like that's never going to happen. Even if Derek Carr got hurt, they'd probably just go to Jake. Like you've seen it. Like you understand, like the situation. He's a good teammate. Like that's why I think everyone is Likes just him, right. jumping over themselves to support him because he is such a good teammate and he has been so uplifting, despite the situation he's in, which is I was the starter here and then I got hurt and they took my job away and gave it to Andy freaking Dalton who can't even start in Carolina on a two and 15 football team. That's the guy, the backup to Bryce young was the guy that they took my job away and gave it to him and then let him go. Right. And then let him go so that they could sign somebody else to play over me. And then whenever that guy got hurt, they were like, oh, he's fine. No, he'll play. And then at the end of the season, they're like, well, he was hurt the whole time, so we can't judge him on that. But we still played him because, hey, you know. So, like, you put Jameis in that situation where he had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Because you engineered a scenario where he had nothing to lose. You created. You created the monster. Yeah. DA, yeah. like... Like, like you are in this scenario because of your own decisions, <laughs> whether, well, you know, and, and like, I, I, I think Derek has played pretty well over the, like, I think he showed why you brought him in over the last month of the season. And, you know, I don't know how, what this, what this team would have looked like if it was Jameis for 17 games versus Derek for 17 games, but you know, we'll never know. But like, I fully believe that any like, like, like there's a reason, like this was like a perfect storm that ended with this the way it did. Like there's so many things that had to go a certain way for us to end up winning a game 48 to 17 and not talking about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's where we are. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But I love Jameis. Like, I'm a big Jameis fan in terms of, you know, the person and the the type of teammate he is and the encouragement and just how he's always upbeat and how he has taken all of these kind of things that have, that have come to him, uh, whether he likes it or not. Um, and you know, it, so, you know, I, I think that's kind of, that's all I have. I never feel that he's real. I'm sorry for me. I feel it's all an act. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's me. Opinion. Right. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you you're, you're wrong. All I can say is like, I've never, I, I think well, as a starting quarterback, I, you know, I've said this before, like he's a platitudes guy, you know, like he'll say a lot of stuff. It doesn't mean anything. And that's one thing that I think is funny where like people prefer that until it's reality. And then you're like, he doesn't say anything. He's just, you know, uh, and it's like, like Jalen hurts is just like, Oh, it's all on me. I'm like, yeah, but why is it on you? What did you do wrong? <laughs> you know? And then Derek says honest things that DA is honest. And it's like, he's throwing him under the bus. You know, I, I think it's funny. There's no winning in certain ways, but no, you're right. Let's let's move on.
couple more questions here. There's like 55 more comments that have come in since since I starred them all. So I'm sure all about the Jamal touchdown. Yeah, no, a lot of it is Derek Carr was terrible for the first 11 games, and he was okay. He was, I wouldn't say he was awful, but uh, I think, yeah, you, you see it. Um, and I, I mean, I'm curious to see what they're going to do in the draft, right? Like, they're going to pick number 14. The last time they picked number 14, they took Marcus Davenport. The time before that, they took Malcolm Jenkins. So you clearly like guys with M's to start their name. It's maybe a Marcus Williams type. Um, They also drafted Ronaldo Turnbull in 1990 at number 14 overall. I don't, I, that was the year I was born. So I don't have much of a recollection for whether Ronaldo Turnbull was any good. Well, we know you should know Jeff though. We're not staying at number 14. We're moving on up. I wish they would trade down. <laughs> Asset collection. No, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Peyton Turner will have 10 sacks next season, says Lehman Park. Hey yo. Well, here's the thing. Like, and and I know this is kind of a joke, but I do think a 10 sack season is in there. He's been but productive. It, is a 10 game season in there? That's the real question. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the bigger question, right? Because when he's been in there, he's made an impact. And I think, sure. you know, it's it's funny because we look at the offensive line or the defensive line and we say, man, they really underperformed this year relative to expectations. Well, part of the expectation was to have Carl Granderson and Peyton Turner in a rotation or at the very least have Peyton Turner kind of spell in, right? I uh, just didn't have that. And and like, again, like we, he was playing really well. You know, everyone was talking about it after that Chargers game, right? Uh, where he just put a guy in a spin cycle and, and forced a fumble in the backfield. Remember that? Isn't that a lifetime ago? <laughs> did that really happen? It did. <laughs> go look it up. Go go Google Peyton Turner Chargers and look at all like the film review videos of like, Peyton Turner's going to have a monster season. That is one of the coolest things. Like nowadays, if you know, you can just YouTube anything and you can find it pretty much like I'm just saying what sports plays kind of thing. And it's, it's really amazing. I tried to Google old, like Bobby a bear highlights. You really can't find them out there. I'm like, that sucks. I want to like put a montage together of the cannon. Yeah. Tim Fabenro says we seem to keep forgetting that we had the softest schedule in the league and played backup QBs. What would we be celebrating at nine and eight? And, and I mean, fine. Right. I'm not saying that this is a massive resounding success, but I did predict 10 and seven, you know, like, it's not like I, I wasn't out there saying 15 and two, <laughs> you know, it was funny. We were talking about this in the, in the media room today of like, you know, it was funny. Cause like four weeks ago, we was like, Oh, these Homer me Homer reporters all said 10 and seven, and they're not even going to get to eight wins. <laughs> and, and everyone was like, Oh, you got them. Yeah. Dunk on them fool. And then it's like, well, would you look at that? They're nine and eight. Right, exactly. Apples and oranges right there. Right. It didn't go, you know, I I mean, I don't know how, I can't remember how I predicted it, but, you know. It definitely seemed a lot more sexier in my head than how it turned out, right? And and like 10 and 7, you're talking about 9 and 8 versus 10 and 7 and a 17, a game that you led 17 nothing with 12 minutes to go and you lost it. Like that's the difference between being 10 and 7 and 9 and 8, right? So in that sense, like they, they, you know, the, the, the broader calculus of this season kind of went the way I anticipated in that way. But no, I mean, yeah, they did have an easy schedule, but they did beat like, like, what are you talking about with the, with the easy schedule in terms of 
what bad teams did they lose to? Like that's kind of where you you look at it and you say, did they take advantage of the easy schedule? They did, but you know, like the like the Falcons, right? Like the Falcons lost to the Cardinals and the Panthers and and at least one other really oh the Commanders, right? Like they lost to the teams picking at the top of the draft. The Saints lost to playoff caliber teams, right? Like teams that were in contention until the very end, right? The Minnesota um, game hurt me too because you didn't have even Jefferson or, uh, you know, that that was the ask, the Pastronauts last game or one of the last games he played. Yeah, that, I mean, that's probably the, the worst loss in terms of you look at it, but it's still not like a loss to the Panthers. Right. Right, like you're talking about a loss to the Packers, which is a playoff. Like, let's go through them, right? Yeah, like, I, I mean, you just look at it and you say, okay, where, where are the bad losses? Well, the issue is you didn't beat these teams that would be in a pick right? So you lost to Green Bay there in the playoffs. You lost to Tampa Bay there in the playoffs. You lost to Houston there in the playoffs. You lost to Jacksonville, who at the time almost looked like a slam dunk playoff team. They right. missed, they, like, they were, they should have made the playoffs. Like, everyone was talking about that point, but I can't believe the Saints didn't hire Doug Peterson. Well, where's Doug Peterson now? Right. I mean, geez. That team fell off the face of the earth, but either way, like at that point, like it's funny because at the time everyone would be like, "Yeah, it's, that's one of the better teams," and now you look at it as a bad loss. Um, but even then, you're talking about a team that probably should have been in the playoffs. Uh, you lost to Minnesota, a team that again, that's probably that's a bad loss. That's one of your worst losses, but still, they were in the run, like they were still a playoff right. caliber team. You know, you lost to Atlanta again. You know, that's a, not a great loss in in retrospect, but it's a division game on the road. Again, another team that could have potentially made the playoffs. Uh, you lost to Detroit, you know, the three seed in the playoffs, right? You lost right. to the Rams, a playoff team. So, like, again, like, yes, you had an easy schedule, but you didn't lose to bad teams. You just didn't be good teams. And that's that's a whole other thing. But, like, like you look at the schedule yeah, next totally year, right. and it's not going to be that much more. Like, you're talking about... Like the thing is, like people are looking at the schedule next year and they're saying, oh, it's going to be more difficult. But in the sense that, how did you get to nine and eight this year? You beat the bad teams on your schedule, which you're still going to have bad teams on your schedule. And you lost to the good teams on your schedule. Well, all you're doing is slot. Like if you're going to assume you're going to lose to the Chiefs, you're going to lose to whoever, you're just slotting those teams into the teams you lost to this year. And you're still looking at the same general thing. And hopefully you can play better and beat some of those teams. So I don't I don't buy this idea that the schedule is going to be more difficult. So the Saints are going to win five games, but you have to play like you did to close out this season when you beat the Bucks, right? When you beat the Falcons, when you beat the Giants, like those are the games that you have to be better in than you were in the first half of the season when you again you lost to the Packers, you lost to the Texans, you lost to the Jacks. I got a question for the mailbag. Your first year on the sideline, what was your favorite game this year? That's a question. That's a question. <laughs> favorite game or favorite like location? I guess favorite game that you got to call. Like what, what you what do you feel like you had the best game too? Like you had a like a, a plethora of knowledge to share with us. Oh, in terms of my calls, they were all bad. Um <laughs> Tennessee, because I got to watch it from home. No, uh, that's a joke. Oh, no. Um, Come on. I thought Tampa was fun. I had a good time in Tampa. Okay. Um, you know, because it was late in the season. I didn't know what to expect going into that game, right? Like, I I, I kind of – I said on the podcast, I expect them to phone it in and lose by 20. And instead, <laughs> they showed up and, you know, I like, I, I enjoy watching road fans be sad. Sure. I really enjoyed the Packers game up until, like, about eight minutes left. Um, that was a lot of fun. 
but you know, it wasn't fun in the end. But like the what amazed me about Green Bay too is how close fans are to the field. There's not much yeah. sideline room. Yeah, you're you're right. <laughs> um, there's only one entrance in and out of the stadium. <laughs> um, you know, the Giants game was fun, even though I kind of you know, in, in any other week, I'm like, go Giants. Eh, uh, right, exactly. I no, thought I that was a, that was a fun game to watch. Um, the the Lions game, you know, as 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 funny as that is, like you go down twenty one nothing. That comeback was a heck of a lot of fun. Like. I enjoyed being on the sideline. The sideline is cool. Um, there's a clip. Bijan Robinson's touchdown. I tweeted it. I quote tweeted it. You can see me. I'm at the corner of the end zone. You can see me. I'm so proud of myself. I just stood there like this. Like <laughs> I did not move a muscle. Like, the camera pans over me. I look like a statue. I'm just. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought that was funny because like I was just like you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Season in the books. It's always like sentimental for me, unless because I get any, I feel like you should get a yearbook, right? Oh, like the memories you hear the music playing in the background. As we go, oh yeah, I remember on. that. We remember. <laughs> oh they yeah, played that, that song. was so and so. They played that song. Well, were you up in the? You you probably weren't up in the uh, press box at that point, but they played uh, that song, uh, whatever it's called by TLC, I think, the graduation song. But right, they right. played it over a montage of. Uh, Cam Jordan sacking Matt Ryan. <laughs> no, Matt was calling that. the game. Matt was in the booth calling the game right. for CBS. So that was funny. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed no, that. No, the last time we saw Cam approach him on the sideline and give him a big bear hug from behind. So I think that's hilarious that even though they were really mortal enemies there because Cam's coming after him, they're still really good pals and kind of laugh it off right now. Yep. I agree. But all right, you ready to wrap this thing up? Let's do it. I got to cook dinner. Yeah, seriously. It's six o'clock. Now, this storm has kind of been a nothing burger. I expected my windows to blow in and everything. It didn't happen. My we'll wife see. said that Bob Rex blog or whatever he does, she said it's coming more overnight. So be braced. Okay. So maybe I spoke too soon. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, hold off there. Relax, Dennis right. Allen. But, you know, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who stuck with us all season. We've seen some really nice growth on YouTube and on the podcast feed. Um, you know, I, I, I really do encourage everyone, if you if you have any opinions, if you want to ask for segments, if you want to get and do stuff specifically, hit me up on on Twitter. My DMs are open. It's at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can complain to Steve, too, if you want. Um, but, yeah, and then I really appreciate everyone who's been who's been around this season. It's, I, I've had fun. I, I enjoy doing these podcasts as a reason. Like, we never intend to come on here and talk for 90 minutes. It just happens. But, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, There's I guess. There's so the, much to get out about this team, and we appreciate, yeah, totally everybody that tunes in. Yeah, and we're going to, you know, it's not like we're going to stop podcasting here. It's We're just going to switch in off-season mode. But, it, you know, it's, it is it is fun. And so, uh, yeah, who that? Go Saints in 2024. Can't wait. Number 14, baby. Let's do it. Mock drafts. Oh, no.